Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Franz Kafka's short story Inside the Penal Colony raises some, some very important questions about justice, punishment, sentencing, what's right and wrong, a number of moral issues as applied to criminality and violence that is being done to people. And one of the most central aspects of the story, indeed something that you could say the story in fact revolves around almost a, a character in the story is the machine. And the machine is supposed to do one task. It's supposed to inscribe justice, inscribe a punishment on the naked body of the person who is going to be killed by the machine in the end. So you could say in a certain way that the machine is a representation of the will, not of justice per se, but of the former commandant and the officer, a character who's in the story, who so identifies with him, sort of like the apprentice or the, you could say, the follower, the executor of the will of the former commandant. And it's important to remember too, that this machine is an innovation. It's not something that goes way back into their tradition and histories. This is only one generation old. And it's, it's something that they invested a lot of time and money into as a priority in this penal colony. We should also mention too, a penal colony is a prison colony. Everybody who's there presumably is there as a prisoner in one way or another. And this machine develops, you could say, out of a mindset as far as we can tell, because as usual with Kafka's stories, we're getting narrations and histories that we can't entirely trust and only reveal to us part of the picture, but sketch an entire world. There are some ideas, some really basic ideas about justice that are being embodied in the machine in which bodies are being placed. So one of these ideas is of punishments fitting the crimes that when somebody commits a violation, what is done to them as a response somehow corresponds to what it is that they did. Sometimes we talk about poetic justice. For example, when somebody who cheats on somebody else is cheated on in turn, and we can say, ah, well, you had it coming to you. So the machine is embodying a certain kind of, you've got this coming to you. Although, as we see, when we look at the account of what's going on, the prisoner who is condemned in this case hasn't gone through any sort of judicial process. They're just ordered to get into this machine and they don't actually know what's going to be happening until later on. The other thing that is, is directly tied to this, and you see this in a number of treatments of justice and punishment, is the idea that punishment shouldn't just be brutal. It shouldn't just wipe somebody out. It shouldn't just be revenge enacted on them. Part of the process of justice should lead to the punished person understanding the wrong that they did and perhaps even understanding 
that what is being imposed on them is in return just. So you put these two ideas together, punishment fitting the crime and the punished person understanding the wrong that they did and the rightness of the system. And there's a lot of ways in which you could work this out. You wouldn't necessarily need a machine like this. As a matter of fact, this machine may be a bad way of carrying that out, but this is what is decided upon by the commandant and the amount of both work and expense on the one side and thought on the other shows that this was not something entered into very lightly. This is an attempt to try to produce justice on earth. So it's, it's kind of a, you might say a representative of enlightenment schemes of penality and punishment. In order to understand this, we have to look at how the machine actually works. And Kafka provides us with a good bit of discussion about this in, in the way that we could say that the explorer is having the story told to them by the officer who is also invoking the previous commandant as this, you know, almost saintly or sage-like figure, right? He's explaining to the explorer what's going on. There's three big components to the machine. There's a bed that the prisoner lays upon and the bed is going to vibrate and also turn the prisoner. And it's got cotton wool, as we would say, cotton balls or things like that to catch the blood, which is, is going to be issuing from the prisoner's body. There's the designer, the top part, which like the, the bed contains an electric battery and that goes over them. And then within the bed, there are what's called the harrow, but it turns out it's actually multiple harrows. And each of these is a piece of glass that contains needles within it, two kinds of needles, the needles that will pierce the flesh of the prisoner and needles to spray out water to wash the blood away. I mean, we could imagine that there's hundreds or thousands of these needles within the harrow. So the bed vibrates and the harrow comes down onto the prisoner, onto their naked flesh and starts poking them. And at first, as they point out, when somebody first goes into the bed, the harrow is lowered onto its body. It regulates itself automatically. So the needles barely touch his skin. Once contact is made, the steel ribbon stiffens immediately into a rigid band and then the performance begins. And notice that this is not just, when he says performance, it's not just for the prisoner himself. It's also for the potential onlookers. There were spectators at this, according to the officer, when the previous commandant was in charge, people would come to it as a judicial spectacle and watch the sentence being carried out. So what is the sentence? What's the need for all of this apparatus? As they summarize it, whatever commandment the prisoner has disobeyed is written on his body. So, you know, this doesn't actually sound that bad when you put it just like that. They're laying down, they're stuck there and whatever rule they broke of the penal colony, or it could be also, you might say a moral rule as well. We don't actually know because we don't have a list of these rules. And we in fact, just get two of them as examples in the story, but whatever it is, it's uh, effectively tattooed on their body, not even using ink. 
So you could say, well, that doesn't sound like a terrible sentence. Somebody kills somebody and then maybe a tattoo, thou shalt not kill on their head. And you're like, well, there you go. Don't do that anymore. Or, you know, thou shalt not steal. Maybe it's in big, big letters and maybe the needle goes deep. So it really drives the, the message home. Well, it's not that simple. The idea is that the, the needles are going deeper and deeper into the prisoner's flesh. The story talks about there being multiple passes. So at first it's just tiny little pinpricks and then the needles are going deeper and deeper and deeper into the person's flesh. And eventually there's going to be a spike that's going to come down right into their head and kill them. So this is a fatal procedure. There is no non-corporal punishment well, not just non-corporal, that all of this is corporal, non-capital punishment, I meant to say. There is no non-capital punishment with the machine. Perhaps there could be in, in other cases. But this is the one that it seems that the former commandant really liked. So these needles go deeper and deeper into their flesh. And then the idea of the machine is able to be enacted because it's not just about making somebody suffer all of these pinpricks, which would be a terrible thing. But if you did that, then we wouldn't get this idea of the punishment fitting the crime because everybody's punishment would be more or less the same, wouldn't it? It wouldn't have any distinctiveness to it. And it certainly wouldn't lead the punished person to realize anything. So a little bit later on, around the sixth hour, after six hours of just pain, the officer says that there is a new experience that takes place. Enlightenment comes to the most dull-witted. It begins around the eyes. From here it radiates. A moment that might tempt one to get under the harrow oneself. A little bit of foreshadowing there. He says, nothing more happens than that the man begins to understand the inscription. He purses his mouth as if he were listening. You have seen how difficult it is to decipher the script with one's eyes, but our man deciphers it with his wounds. To be sure that is a hard task, he needs six hours to accomplish it. By that time, the harrow has pierced him quite through and casts him into the pit. Then the judgment has been fulfilled. So what's the idea here? Over this period of time, because of the way in which the needles are piercing one's body, almost like as if somebody is writing letters on your skin. I just did an A right there. But you know, is this a Q? Is this a G? Is this a P? I, I don't really know. But Presumably, you'd be paying very close attention as this is happening. There comes a point where the prisoner begins to realize this is lettering. This is telling me something. I can like pay attention to it and figure out what is actually being written on me. And then when the prisoner realizes what the sentence is, the imperative, they realize what they did wrong. And now they're ready to pay the ultimate penalty for it to be killed. So that's the way the machine works, according to the officer. Whether it really does that or not, that's, that's an open question that we have to explore. 
We should also think about the designs of the inscriptions because that helps us to approach that question. So they contain one central imperative that has been violated. So in the case of the officer, when he himself gets into the machine, the piece that he brings out says, be just. And you can think of this as sort of like a template or data that's going into the machine to guide it. In the case of the prisoner who is originally there. He is caught not doing his duty. And so what is his, his sentencing? Well, he's going to have, I'm trying to get the exact wording. Essentially it's obey your superiors, right? And so presumably if the man is in there, eventually he'll realize, oh, that's what I did wrong. And the imperative, you could you know, think back, well, when did I do that? Was it yesterday? Was it the day before? In this case, it would be very easy because he fell asleep on sentry duty and then was insubordinate to his superior. And presumably there would be an entire set of these templates that would correspond to the commandments that were written down somewhere in the penal colony. So they contain one central block of lettering. Now here's where it gets very interesting. They're surrounded by all these embellishments and they involve a complex script. Now, why is that the case? So as the officer is going to say, we want this to take quite a while. We want this to lead to a, a sort of enlightenment. So this is the scene where it happens. He takes out some sheets from his leather wallet and says, I can't let you handle these. These are my most precious possession. I'll let you see these. He spread out a f the first sheet of paper. The explorer would have liked to say something appreciative, but all he could see was a labyrinth of lines crossing and recrossing each other, which covered the paper so thickly, it was difficult to discern the blank spaces between them. The officer says, read this, check it out. And the explorer says, I, I can't make out anything here. And the officer says, oh, it's, it's clear enough. It's very ingenious. And then the explorer says, I can't make it out. And so he puts it away and says, it's no calligraphy for school children. It needs to be studied closely. I'm sure that in the end you would understand it too. So it's not something that's immediately evident. It's not like there's just a template that says, be just or obey your superiors or don't steal food or treat your fellow prisoners well or anything like that. It's just like a, a mess of stuff. And you gotta like really know what you're looking for in order to find the injunction or the imperative that is part of this inscription. Why? So the officer tells him, the script can't be a simple one. It's not supposed to kill a man straight off, but only after an interval of on an average 12 hours. But the turning point is reckoned to come at the sixth hour. So there have to be lots and lots of flourishes around the actual script. The script itself runs around the body only in a narrow girdle. The rest of the body is reserved for the embellishments. And there's, you know, another scene where the officer takes out the one that is going to apply to him himself, shows it to the explorer. The explorer says, yeah, I can't make out that one either. So all of this embellishment is really kind of, you know, it's serving some sort of purpose within the scheme of the machine, but it's in a certain sense inhumane. It's adding to the suffering, all of these extra things. Who is it legible to? 
So we know that it's legible to the former commandant because he's the one who came up with this. He's the one who did everything. The officer can read it, according to the officer. The explorer can't read it. The question that remains is, can the condemned person actually read this with their body? The officer says, well, we need all these embellishments because it's got to take up all of this time and produce this state of enlightenment. But what is being registered on the body? As he says, the inscription goes in just a narrow band, the imperative that has been violated by the person and that they're supposed to recognize. All the rest of the body is being pierced with needles and induced into horrible pain, which you would think, you know, as we reflect on this, wouldn't that be sort of the equivalent of noise preventing the signal or the message from coming through? How does one concentrate on just one portion of a body that is being subjected to torments? How do you zero in on that? Particularly if you're not a smart person or attentive person or body conscious person to begin with, which is the way that the explorer and the, the officer are presenting these, these prisoners. Maybe, and this is one suggestion, the machine is inscribing something on the person, but maybe there, there isn't any enlightenment that's taking place. Maybe this is really something that the commandant hoped for and the officer is projecting onto people that are being subjected to this machine. Maybe it's impossible to truly fulfill these things in a physical way by inscribing a message upon a person through the agency of needles and the medium of pain in the flesh. That's a big issue that's being raised here. Maybe there's an ideal of justice whose application turns out to be terrible injustice and cruel, inhumane, not just at all. Maybe that's why the officer himself subjects himself to the last running of the machine. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works. <laughs>